it's great to see you here. Thank you for coming. Um, if you are a church member, you will be aware that we've invited you to participate in a survey on behalf of the Baptist Union. We're not making paper copies of the questionnaire available because it's restricted to church members only. If you'd like a paper copy, please have one with Carrie during the course of the week and she will be able to sort you out. But we're not making paper copies freely available of that this morning. If you're here with small children, welcome. Can I alert you to the fact that the baptistry is open this morning and therefore it represents a hazard should children be running around. Please don't let them run over and fall in. We would rather that didn't happen. Um, Otherwise, let's begin our service and let's um, stand and use the opening words of Psalm 103 to remind us why we're here. And I invite you to join together in saying the words in yellow, please. My soul, give thanks to the Lord. All my being, bless his holy name. My soul, give thanks to the Lord. And never forget all his blessings. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Let's sing together. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship his holy. Stay with 
And the next three verses of Psalm 103 go like this. It is he who forgives all your guilt, who heals every one of your ills, who redeems your life from the grave, who crowns you with love and compassion, who fills your life with good things, renewing your youth like an eagle's. It is he who forgives all your guilt. Sometimes, ah, oh, we've done stuff and it weighs on our conscience and we feel really, feel really bad about it and we can't forgive ourselves, we beat ourselves up over it, we feel like we should be punished for what we've done. It is God. It is God who forgives all your guilt. Who can take that away, who can set you free, who can enable you to stand up and walk out with a clear conscience. Because that's why he gave his son for you. To take the wrong you've done, the punishment for what you've done, the guilt of what you've done, the pain of what you've done, and to release you from it. That is why God's great gift to us is his son, Jesus Christ, to be our saviour and our Lord. So let's pray. Creator God, living saviour, enlivening spirit, your generosity far outweighs our deserving. Your grace is far more beautiful than our imagining. Your forgiveness far exceeds our understanding. There are debts to you and to others that we cannot pay. There are mistakes that we cannot undo. There are words that we cannot unsay. But because you forgive us, we can take another step. We can face another day with confidence. We are the people we are and the people we can become because of you and we praise you for all your blessings, for all your patience, for all your love. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. On your seats and if you're in the balcony, there are copies up there and over there there is a piece of paper with a list on it of things you might want to hold on to and things you might want to let go. Down the left-hand side are things you want to hold on to. Down the right-hand side are things you want to let go. I know you haven't got this at home, but you will hear the words and you will get the message. As I say we hold on to one thing and let go of another, can I invite you to tear carefully down the middle of the page, working your way down. Uh, you, you don't want to tear through the words on the left because that's the stuff you want to keep. If, it, if your tear strays over onto the right-hand side of the page, that's fine. You're ripping the stuff you don't want to keep in bits. But let's recognize some things we want to keep, some things we want to let go this morning. We want to hold on to mercy. We want to let go of resentment. We want to hold on to forgiveness and let go of grudges. We want to hold on to generosity and let go of fear. We want to hold on to gratitude 
and let go of selfishness. And we want to hold on to Christ and let go of ourselves. You have two bits of paper now. This one is the one you want to keep, okay? With mercy, forgiveness, generosity, gratitude and Christ. Fold it up, put it in your pocket, put it in your purse, keep it. These are God's gifts to you. The other one, the stuff he wants to release you from, the resentment, the grudges, the fear, the selfishness, yourself, you might want to screw that up. You might want to come and chuck it in the baptistry because all that stuff dies with Jesus and he raises you to live a new life that's marked by mercy, forgiveness, generosity, gratitude, Christ. If you want to swap these for these, ask Jesus to release you from this and give you these qualities in your life. I'm going to drop mine in the baptistry. You might want to do the same as we sing our next song, When I Was Lost, You Came and Rescued Me.
Please sit down if you are going upstairs. God bless you. Have a great time in BRBK. And thank you, God, that our old self, with all the things we don't like about ourselves, is dead and buried with Jesus. And you have raised us to new life with you. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's a message that over the years has met with a mixed reception. We're going to hear how Paul got on when he went to Thessalonica with this message. In Acts chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. If we could have that reading, please. Thank you. Acts chapter 17, verses 1 to 9. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they didn't find them, They dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, The crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others postponed and let them go. Wherever Paul met, went, he met with a mixed reception. At the start of the summer, we we met Peter and Louise Lynch, or one of them. I wasn't here, so I forget which one it was. Came to visit us. They are missionaries in Bangladesh. And uh, they've recently gone back to Bangladesh. Uh, to to continue the task of equipping the church for mission out there. This is a video that they made while they were still on furlough in the UK, just to update you on who they are and what they're doing, and we will then pray for them as they follow God's call to witness to Christ in Bangladesh and send others out into different parts of the country to bear witness to the gospel. Thank you. Hello, good morning, good evening, whatever time it is in the UK, this is... uh a video greeting from Pete and Lou in Bangladesh. We're really sorry we haven't been able to come to visit you in person, so we've made you a little video in the office garden, uh, giving you an update on the work that we have been doing and uh, asking for your prayer, so we hope you enjoy it. It feels impossible to give you an update uh, because we have just been doing so many things. Uh, Over the past four months, we have done teacher training, Sunday school training, we've set out action teams, we have... Uh, done teaching at CCTV, we have been out and done revival meetings, we've spoken in 10 different areas and each one of the things that we've done has got its own stories, it's got its own impact, it's got its own lessons for learning. Uh, But the thing that 
I think has had the most impact has been the times when we have stopped speaking and we have allowed God to be at work. The times when we have prayed with people, the times when God's Holy Spirit has been at work, giving restoration and refreshment to people that are burdened, care-weary, and sick. And even though after those trips, when we've been out on the road for three or four days, speaking and traveling, and being pretty non-stop, we come back from those times feeling refreshed, because those are times that we have also encountered and experienced God's refreshing in our lives. So thank you for your support, thank you for your prayer, thank you for being part of what God is doing in Bangladesh, both in the lives of the believers and at work in the community. When we first came to Bangladesh, then one of the first things we uh, learned to pray was, uh, was a line from the Lord's Prayer, Tomar Rajarashi, which is, thy kingdom come, and then as you know, thy will be done on earth as it is in, in heaven. And so every time when we're out and about and when we're thinking about the future, we're, we're always praying, God, your kingdom come, your kingdom come, your kingdom come. And we uh, have the, the blessing of, of hearing stories and meeting people where something of God's kingdom has come into their life. Recently, we've ran a project called Pathways to Work that was funded by the Baptist family and, and met a guy called John who lives up in the north of Bangladesh. And uh, during the time of COVID and afterwards, his family were in real crisis. His father died suddenly of a stroke in, in uh, 2021. And then COVID hit and the family had uh, no hope and no opportunity. But then uh, the Baptist family came alongside him, gave him a, a small grant and a mentor to help him through the next months of his life. And just recently we met him and he told the story of how with the grant he'd been able to buy a small compressor and jet car wash or motorbike wash with the money he'd set up a little business wash, washing motorcycles and through the income from doing that he's been able to complete his higher education level, support his brother in education and look towards a future where he can continue uh, with degree level education. It was a little glimpse of God's kingdom coming and a blessing coming into his life. Then a couple of weeks ago we were in another village uh, up in the northeast of Bangladesh and met a woman there whose life had been transformed by the love of Jesus. Uh, her testimony was that for several years she'd been troubled by uh, evil spirits and was, was struggling just to hold life together. Uh, and they tried everything for three years without, uh, without much help or success. And then she was taken to the pastor whose uh, work was supported by BMS. And, uh, and she asked to be baptised. And uh, it was a, a tricky decision to know what to do, but the, the pastor decided, yes, we'll baptise her. So she was baptised. Uh, even at that moment, she couldn't declare uh, whether she believed in Jesus. But after her coming up out of the water, immediately she felt released from the, the evil that had been oppressing her life and, and had a newfound faith in Jesus. She then went to a women's meeting and prayed for God's, 
further blessing in her life. And God has since blessed her uh, with a child and to meet her in her in a new situation full of hope and life. It was an example of God's kingdom coming into her life. One of our constant prayers and what we'd love you to pray for is that God would send more workers out into the harvest field. Bangladesh isn't an easy country to share the gospel, but still there are great opportunities. And when we come back after this home assignment, then we'll be going straight into opportunities to to both share the gospel ourselves, but more importantly, or perhaps more significantly, to help train a new generation of workers who are being specifically trained to go out into the harvest field and share the good news of Christ. So pray for us as we set up a new training program. Pray for the Shongo as they look to create this new generation of workers. Pray for us as we go to CCTB, the Theology College, and train uh, people on degree programs and master's programs because they also will be workers for the harvest field. And just pray that God will will give us strength and wisdom uh, as we as we plan also with the leaders here, the National Pastors Conference, which will be another great opportunity to, to pray this prayer and, and communicate and rejoice in this vision together that God's kingdom would come in Bangladesh and his blessing would be seen in this nation. Thank you for your prayers. Before we pray for Peter and Louise in the church in Bangladesh, let's stand and sing together how wonderful, how glorious is the love of God.
Lord, we thank you that your love is wonderful, glorious, bringing healing, forgiveness, freedom, new life, and hope. And thank you that people are finding that through the good news of Jesus in Bangladesh. And though it's not an easy place to be a Christian, thank you for those returning to Christ, finding his lordship, finding his kingdom coming in their lives and through their lives. And Lord, we echo Peter and Louise's prayer, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. And thank you for their testimony that there are times when they stop talking and you work. And we pray that for ourselves. That we would make space for you to work in our lives and in our church, and in our community. That we would invite your kingdom to come. Your will to be done. And Lord, we invite your spirit to have your way in us and through us, bringing to us and through us new life, and forgiveness, and hope, and freedom, Commitment to you and to your work. Love for you and for our neighbour. Thank you for the transforming power of your good news. And we pray for Peter and Louise now they've returned to Bangladesh, enable them to adjust to a different climate again. Thank you for the blessing they had when they were in this country. Thank you for the joy of a family wedding. Enable them to adjust again to being the place where you have called them to serve you. We pray for them both as they travel in these coming weeks. Exploring new areas of work. Training church leaders. Thank you for their partnership with church leaders who are planting churches, discipling Christians, leading social, health, education and development projects, setting women free and empowering them to work and to earn their own living, providing leadership and energy and expertise for hard-working pastors. Developing vision, training for mission in new areas as yet unreached by the gospel. Working with preschool teachers, evangelists, ministers in training. Lord, thank you for the wealth of gifts you've given to your church in Bangladesh. And for Peter and Louise's role in encouraging equipping and training and leading and facilitating. In them and through them and all those with whom they work in partnership, 
We pray that your gospel would continue to give people the resources to live a new life. To set people free from evil. To serve you in your kingdom. To be ambassadors of reconciliation and renewal and hope and healing. Lord, we pray for your blessing upon them. That you would give them the energy to do what you call them to do. But above all, that they would continue to see you at work as they pause and as they pray, thy kingdom come. And Lord, as we hear stories of hope from Bangladesh, we pray for those parts of our world where we just see despair and destruction. And here too, we pray for your kingdom to come. For the victims of the earthquake in Morocco. That you'd hear the cries of the grieving. That you'd rebuild people's shattered lives. That you'd heal the injured. Strengthen your church. Aid those seeking to bring help. Give wisdom to political leaders. Lord, let, there, let your kingdom come. And for Libya, having experienced such catastrophic flooding, such devastation, thousands, Bodies still being discovered. Communities shattered. We hardly know how to begin to pray. But we turn to you because you are the God of life, not of death. And your son entered into our world. You are no stranger to suffering and grief and pain and death. Jesus, we pray for your presence to be there. And through you, may your kingdom come. We pray that you keep at bay the spread of disease. We pray for strength, physical and emotional. Those working to rescue the stranded, to feed the hungry, to bury the dead, to heal the sick. pray, Lord, for you to release your spirit. And where there is death and despair, to bring hope and courage and love. We commend the shattered people of Libya to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. been coming with us over the past few weeks, you know that you're working our way through 1 Thessalonians, thinking about the, the message that turned the world upside down, is how uh, some versions put it in Acts 17, not just causing trouble, but turning everything upside down 
and we're going to listen to the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians, which Mary is going to bring to us now. Thank you, Mary. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labour of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word with much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we not we need not say anything, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Well, we come and look at the end of that passage together. Let's stand and sing praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation.
And in your minds, can I invite you to join me in a marketplace in Corinth in about 50 AD or thereabouts. Oh, I'm off to the games in a couple of weeks. Could you make an awning for me, please? It's been so flipping hot, hasn't it? I want me and my family to be able to sit in the shade. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks very much. Uh, the name's Fortunatus. Fortunatus by name, fortunate by nature. Yeah, you're right, it's a slave's name. I'm not ashamed to admit that. But my master was kind. He let me save up enough money to buy my freedom. Then I came here to Corinth to make my fortune. If you want to make loads of money, this is the place to come. Let me tell you, you've done well setting up business here. You're new, aren't you? I've got to know Priscilla and Aquila over the past few months. They're good leather workers. Hope your work is up to their standard. Look, this is actually the third time I've tried to call and book this job. Came on Saturday, forgetting that you Jews never work on a Saturday, you always shut. Don't know how you make a living only working six days a week. Then I came by yesterday on Sunday, but the place was heaving with people. Couldn't get near the door. Some kind of party, was it a celebration? I could hear lots of singing. Everybody seemed to be pretty happy. Oh, some kind of cultic feast, was it? Well, that would explain the singing then and the foreign languages I heard. I, I go to the temple the other side of town. You've got to keep the right side of the gods, haven't you? Now, between you and me, I'm, I'm not really sure I believe in them. But it's always better to be safe than sorry, isn't it? It can be a capricious lot if they're real. Besides, it's always good to go to the temple for social and business contacts. You rub shoulders with the right kind of people. You get to know the kind of people who promote your business. You do me a favour, I'll do you a favour. We, we, we support each other's finances. And success is all about who you know, isn't it? But I guess, oh, of course, you being a Jew, you wouldn't go there, would you? No. So, tell me a bit about yourself. I've got a couple of moments to spare. Yes, I can sit down and have a coffee with you if you like. As long as you make, my, sure my, make sure my awning's ready on time. Don't spend all your time talking to customers. So what's your name? Paul. Where'd you come from, Paul? Tarsus. Can't say I've ever been that far east. What brings you to Corinth, then? <laughs> you trying to convert me to Judaism? You talking about your religion? I know you Jews worship the true and living God, or you say you do. I always feel you look down on the rest of us a bit because we have images in our temples. But a personal God, creator of the universe, one you can't see, never been able to get my head around that, to be honest. And you're telling me that this God, this God has a son, called Jesus. And if we want to know what this God is really like, then, then Jesus can make him known to us. Well, he would if the Romans hadn't crucified him. Oh, so he was crucified, buried, and then rose again from the dead, coming back one day to judge the world. Strange. I've heard that message before somewhere. Someone else was saying just the same kind of thing to me the other week. You know, I know it was. We sometimes do business with a firm in Thessalonica, the main trading town over there in Macedonia. And, uh, you know, we, we meet each other, we, we, we swap business cards, we, we, we uh, buy stuff from each other. There was a riot there a while ago, wasn't there? Someone's house got attacked, a few people got injured, 
that quarter of the city got smashed up quite a bit, I'm told. Some people even arrested and the ringleaders were bailed on condition they kept the peace. Wasn't, wasn't that something to do with this guy called Jesus who was crucified? Wasn't there talk there about him turning the world upside down or something? It wasn't he known as Christus or Crestus or, or something? Oh, you were there. You were in Thessalonica. What was it like? Hang about. Did you say your name was Paul? Are you that Paul? Are you the one responsible for the riot? Are you the rabble rouser? Are you the man everybody says is turning the world upside down? <laughs> well, I never. 300 miles from here to Thessalonica, and here I am talking to you face to face. Your reputation has preceded you. Let me assure you of that. I've heard the difference, the trouble, the upheaval, your message made in Thessalonica. People starting to follow Jesus and saying that Jesus is Lord? Did you put them up to that? Can't see that going down well with the imperial authorities. I mean, we all need to say Caesar is Lord, don't we, for a quiet life? If you don't say that, you could end up in very hot water. Well, yeah, if that's the message you were preaching, I'm not surprised you had to leave the city in a hurry and under cover of darkness as well. You say it wasn't the ringleaders of the riot who were bailed. The rioters attacked the Christians, and the Christians got the blame for it. They were the ones arrested and, and, and put under financial penalty to keep the peace. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be the first kind, time that kind of thing's happened, does it? People cause trouble and then blame the victims for it. Like running a business, I suppose. Staying on the right side of the law is all about who you know, isn't it? Making sure you've got contacts in the right places. Take it from me. You need to do just enough to make sure the authorities will look the other way if you land yourself in trouble. It's worth just giving a little just to make sure you don't end up on the wrong side of the law. Uh, you've got a problem then, haven't you? Christians don't pay bribes. <laughs> you are going to have a hard time then, aren't you? And I mean, from what I hear, nobody likes you. Christians, it's almost synonymous with being unpopular, isn't it? My business partner in Thessalonica, he doesn't like you. He, he does a line in household gods. Some of his best customers have said they don't believe in him anymore. They started to worship with the Christians. He's lost a stream of income. He certainly doesn't like the Christians. And it sounds, from what you say, like the Jews in the synagogue don't like you either. They think you're poaching from their congregations. You're claiming people are interested in Judaism and they're starting to follow Jesus instead. This business about a their longed-for Messiah ending up on a Roman cross. I mean, how many different ways can you think of upsetting people? You just seem hell-bent on offending everybody, don't you? No wonder nobody likes you. And why? Why would anyone in their right mind follow a crucified man? I mean, I can't think of a more shameful or degrading death. Oh. Okay. So... The cross where Jesus died, that's the place where God turns the world upside down. So, so everything about me, you'll say, my pride, my honour, my prestige, my success, my wealth, all that offends God. Because everything I value that gives me status and importance is built on exploitation and oppression and putting other people down and putting myself first. 
and that's what makes God angry. Oh, you really do know how to make friends, don't you? If I'm honest, yeah, I know the whole system's rigged. But also I try not to think about that too much. It just makes me feel a bit uncomfortable, a bit guilty. I just take chances where I find them. So let me come back to this business about this fellow Jesus dying on the cross then. What, what was that about? You're saying that because he died on the cross, I can die to a past that's morally bankrupt. And because he is alive, I can live differently from now on if that's what I want. And as Jesus was rejected by the world on the cross, so I should reject the standards of the world and be prepared to be rejected with him because I start to live life a different way. And I need to do this because God brought Jesus back to life and one day he's coming back to judge the world. So I, you're saying that I have to turn my back on a system which has served me very well, actually, over the years because it's flawed and evil. And if I do so, then Jesus will rescue me from God's judgment which is coming on the system that I belong to. I still understand why, why would you want to do that when it just makes you so unpopular with everybody else? Hmm. You're saying that if someone follows Jesus, they become a child of God, then it doesn't matter what other people think of them. Well, how do you get to be a child of God then? If I put my trust in Jesus, he will give me his spirit. I will know God as my father, and that will fill my heart with God's love. And it won't matter how other people treat me, and however tough life gets, I'll have a joy that eclipses everything else. How does that work? Jesus is alive, and if, if I welcome his spirit into my heart, it's like him living in me and through me, and that will change everything. Well, I've got to hand it to you. It's a radical idea. I hadn't heard that one before. That's not the kind of God that I believe in. Okay, okay, there's more. Jesus is coming back, but before he does, God wants me to be active, serving him, using the gifts his spirit will give me to make a positive difference in the world so that I'm part of the solution, not part of the problem. Hmm. Well, I'll be honest with you, Paul. I only came in for an awning, really. Yeah, you've given me food for thoughts, and I guess if I... If I if I went down that road, it would change the course of the rest of my life. What's that? Change me forever. Life after death is part of the deal, because Jesus rose from the dead. That's a huge amount to get ahead around. But I'll tell you what. I might pop by this Sunday morning, listen a bit more to what you have to say, check it out. After all, I'm not so sure about the gods in the temple. Can you leave me with a question? Yeah, anything, as long as you don't charge me for it. Who am I serving? Myself? My own interests? Corrupt and broken system? An empty religion? 
you're giving me the opportunity to dedicate my life to serving the true and living God who loved me and gave his son for me. Okay. Let me think on that and get back to you. Can I invite you to think on that for a minute? Who are you serving? stand and sing together. To him we come, Jesus Christ. said there's time to stop speaking and wait on God. 
So before we close our service, let me invite you to consider what is God calling you to be? Where is God calling you to go? How is God calling you to serve him? What is God calling you to release, to let go, to let him take out of your life? What step of commitment is God calling you to take? Lord, by your Spirit, turn us round to face you, the living and true God, and to serve you as we wait for our risen Lord and Saviour to return from heaven. Other people are here to pray with you at the front of church after the service, should you wish that. But let's close by saying the words of the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.